tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. So welcome to the marketplace. Coming up this afternoon, Ghana City could come under some pressure this week following the unexpected increase in inflation and the probability of an interest rate hike by the U.S. Federal Reserve. Financial economist Professor Gopher Bokwin describes Ghana's method in restoring debt sustainability as needless and poor. 20 rich Africans Ghana is missing. If, if you pick so, so the point that I'm making is that the, the method we have chosen to restore debt sustainability is going to impose unnecessary hardship. Okay. And, and, and we can avoid that. And coming up, why is the Tema oil refinery trending? We will discuss reports suggesting that the refinery, which is worth $700 million, is being leased to a private company at $22 million. My name is Daryl Carr. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. And thanks for staying with us.
everyone. In our first story, the Ghana city could come under some pressure this week following the unexpected increase in inflation and the probability of an interest rate hike by the U.S. Federal Reserve. That's according to forecasts by some currency analysts. There's more in this report. The city lost marginal ground against the major trading currencies last week after the Ghana Statistical Service announced an unexpected increase in inflation to 42.2%. It closed the week with a 0.85% loss against the U.S. dollar on the retail market, bringing its year-to-date loss to about 14%. This is despite an injection of $32 million by the Bank of Ghana into the spot market. This week, analysts expect an increase in demand for foreign exchange and limited foreign exchange interventions by the Bank of Ghana. However, failure by the city to stabilize against the dollar may push fuel prices up and consequently increase inflation. Well, joining us on Zoom is Chief Economist at Second Stacks, uh, Benjamin Boachi, to discuss uh, this further. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us. So we are beginning to see the implications of the surprise uptick in inflation on the city. Analysts are forecasting pressure on the local currency this week. Your reaction? Thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, sure, I saw that inflation ticked up 1%. Uh, I don't believe it'll have too uh, pronounced a, an impact on the currency in the medium term. Uh, but in the short term, I think we've seen that uh, the, the lost a little, a little bit of ground uh, last week. Uh, so it's probably priced in at this point. What are the wider implications of the rise in inflation on the economy? Inflation remains very high at 42.2%. And uh, what's particularly worrying about that is that the, the uptick was driven by food inflation and housing inflation. And, you know, the impact of this kind of inflation will be quite pronounced because, you know, people can easily opt out of these expenses, you know, food and housing. So I expect that it will put the government, uh, the economic management team, the government on alert. Uh, but I wouldn't expect anything to be done simply because of one single data point. Uh, we'll still need to wait and see more data to come in and to view the trend, which until this month was actually getting better, at least directionally. Yeah, and, and how do you expect the central bank to react to the rise in inflation? Should we expect uh, this to translate in the hike in the policy rate? We should, and, and to be honest, I don't know that we should have paused uh, on rate hikes when we did, I just don't think that 41% inflation is, is wait and see territory, you know. So I would expect uh, the Bank of Ghana to respond uh, vigorously. Your organization, uh, Second Stacks, has been working to enhance investment flows into the African capital markets. I'm curious to know how the current economic challenges are affecting that drive, how the, uh, how the challenges are impacting the capital markets. Well, here at Second Stacks, we're, we're in pretty early stages of the corporate life cycle. So we're, we've just been outlaying capital and building the infrastructure. Uh, these are the rails that will bring in capital into the, into the African capital markets. Uh, the way we approach it is simply by ensuring that you're connected to all of the different securities exchanges across the continent. And that way, when investors around the world are looking at Africa, they're looking at one unified, large, deep, 
capital market as opposed to uh, the siloed capital markets in each country. So uh, that's, that's what we're doing here at Second Step. Uh, in terms of the capital markets on the continent, uh, pretty much related, right? We believe that uh, as the markets become more integrated, not only because of what we're doing here at Second Stack, but also because of AFTA uh, and some of the policy initiatives that are being taken um, across the continent, uh, you'll have a better integrated African market um, with you know freer flow of, of human capital and of um, actual you know money capital, uh, and all of that will will see uh, quite a bit of improvement in the capital markets uh, in the near term. Do these uh, challenges present any opportunities on the capital market? What are they? Well, you know, every you know every movement and every data point uh, can pretty much provide an opportunity if you can get ahead of it. So, really, what I would suggest is that folks looking to to play this market uh, should lean on their brokers. Right, the brokers have really solid information flows. Um, and, and that's who you want to stay close to in times like this. Well, I've, I've read uh, some reports that suggest that uh, we continue to see an uptick in inflation perhaps for the next two months. Uh, what do you anticipate and what should the managers of the economy do, be doing to fix the situation? Well, like I said, you certainly want to continue to increase interest rates, right, in the face of you know, 40 plus percent inflation. Uh, it was a very positive development that we got the IMF deal done. Uh, we're, we're probably not going to be tapping the international uh, debt markets anytime soon. So uh, that's kind of the lifeline of the um, And I think the, the way that that capital gets allocated is, is pretty, um, it's pretty well established given that, you know, there were all these uh, promises and, and things that needed to be done in order to unlock that capital from the IMF. So as long as we stick uh, to the to the letter and the spirit of the deal, um, you know, on the back end of that, I think we'll be in a better place. All right, uh, Chief Economist with Second Stacks, uh, thank you so much for your time speaking to us about the impact of uh, the surprise uptake in inflation in May on the economy and on the capital markets. I appreciate your time with us. Our financial economist, uh, Professor Goffer Bopping, has described Ghana's method of restoring debt sustainability as needless and poor. According to him, the move will rather impose hardships on Ghanaians. Now, speaking at the Graphic Business Stambic Bank breakfast meeting, Professor Bopping said the government should explore diverse ways of ensuring private sector growth to support the economy. Of this, I will look at it this way. When the IMF says that these are the broad fiscal policy frameworks that you need to have, it's then up to the government to decide on the specific interventions, strategies to achieve that. We said this way back in 2021 that we need to preempt what was coming. Assuming the, gov the president decides that I'm going to go the way of Cote d'Ivoire, I'm reducing the size of my government to, let's say, 31. We can cost the savings. We can cost the savings. That's what I'm saying, that there's a way to do a fiscal adjustment okay. that preserves the cash flow of households and businesses. And we chose not to do that one. In fact, we could reach almost the same point 
in fiscal adjustment if we decided that we're going to adopt a lean government. You can even look at tax from two perspectives. Tax as an investment. So there are countries that lower their taxes as a way of promoting what? Businesses. So that when businesses grow, look, assuming we had like, if you go and check top 20 businesses in Africa, top 50 businesses in Africa, you will not find Ghana in there. If we are looking for top 20 rich Africans, Ghana is missing. If, if, if you pick, so, so the point that I'm making is that the, the method we have chosen to restore their sustainability is going to impose unnecessary hardship. Okay. And, and, and we can avoid that. Meanwhile, Executive Director of the Africa Center for Energy Policy, Benjamin Boach, has questioned the viability of Ghana's procurement processes, indicating it is characterized by fraud. According to him, this has led to the misappropriation of funds and consequently affected the country's economic growth and development. The biggest crime of our country is our procurement system, where consistently it has been reviewed and we know that corruption is so massive in our procurement system and we have tracked it. It will be difficult for you to find any government contract above $1 million go through competitive tender in this country. It is so sourced. And not just because you go on the shelf and you can see $1 million and government also went for it for $1 million, which you wouldn't have a problem with. You will see $1 million thing on the shelf and the government will go for it for $10 million, and it will still be so sourced. Go through the numbers. We all have to be interested. The chairs that government procure, how much do they buy them? We all go to the market. The basic things that government procure, ten, five times more than what you can buy on the shelf. But we watch them happen, and then they crystallize into debt, and they have the power of the state to pass laws to tax you more, and we are watching. So we can no longer be that kind of citizens hoping to adjust in difficult times. But we need to get the government to do the heavy lifting. Well, turning to another top story we are following for you this afternoon, civil society organizations are asking for answers following reports that government intends to lease a thermal oil refinery worth $700 million to a private company to rent co-asset management at $22 million for six years. The group, according to leaked documents, is allowed to refine 80 million barrels of oil a year by paying $1 million every year as rent. Energy strategist Dr. Yassif Suleimana joins me on Zoom to discuss this. Good afternoon to you. So I'm sure you've seen the leaked documents um, making rounds on social media. Bad deal if it is true, is it? Um, it, it yes, uh, um, uh, it's yes and no <laughs> at the same time. Um, assuming that if you notice um, what what all have been through, uh, uh, there have been a lot of inertia in the refinery. So on the surface, if I look at this deal and I say, and I look at it and I, and I see that there's no any other opportunity, and it's a deal that will bring thought to life and into profitability mode, then we could make do with it. But I think that's not the situation here. Um, the situation there's a lot of a, a bit of uh, uncertainties, a bit of uh, shallow shallowness. It, 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 you know, capacity, you know, we don't want about it is coming with. And so what is very important is that um, the champions of the deal for say, uh, for sure will have to take this advantage, you know, to, to come out clear and then explain 
to just make sure that I mean, the stakeholders who are showing, who are coming out with this outcry, in fact, not even civil society organizations. I think even the union guys from the refinery, they equally uh, are experiencing some bit of uh, misgivings with respect to the whole thing. And the reason is that um, 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 I think uh, uh, that is, uh, I mean, they are not doing this out of, uh, you know, blue or just that uh, there's no precedence to that. If you notice what happened in the issue of uh, um, um, PDA. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And then there is clarity in what the investor has to offer on the table. The quantum is another thing that we can talk about. But is the investor credibly enough, has it in the requisite financial ability to be able to champion whatever is saying going to champion? Because in this case, I can say that the refinance is not time, so far as refinance is concerned, time is of, of essence. Yeah. So any potential investor who is coming on board will have to show all the seriousness with a lot of clarity in whatever is going on. Other than that, it's going to be difficult. And the information I'm picking is that also, um, again, if it was only a sole person that is in charge, then I could give it a chance that let's give them a try. You know, but in this case, I'm told, my understanding is that we have other potential bidders or, uh, uh, you know, other entities who are also interested in the deal. So what I would call is that if we do have other potential Bidders who are also interested in this, they should open it up, you know, because competition will bring bring efficiency. And I'm told even some a company like uh, I'm, I'm, my, my understanding is that a company called Falcon has been invested in the refinery to do feasibility study. And in my opinion, I think that's a seriousness on the part of the company. And in all this, I'm so happy about that because I mean we've been banging around that our refinery is not profitable and our refinery is not profitable. We should leave it to run. Yet about three different companies are, you know. You know, power to take big stake in the refinery. That shows that there's something beautiful, there's something hidden. However, related it is in the refinery. What is most important thing is clarity. You know, of whatever deal that is coming to take place. And so, we should be open up for whoever is interested. But time is of essence. And so, kind of uh, what happened with PDS, I think that is what Ghanaians are, are worried about, and they're just hoping that. This would not be another PDA deal. Uh, uh, you make an important point about clarity and transparency. We're yet to hear from the government on this. The last time we reported on this, uh, we're told that the Attorney General and his team were studying a contract with a private investor, and then we, you're hearing about this, and so it makes this look so murky, doesn't it? Um, yes, that's it, because uh, what I looked at what, uh, the time I, I also chanced this particular release, you know, talking about these figures, with the investor standing the, the chance to benefit like 700 million US dollars. Uh, on the surface or superficially, that I would have made a problem. As long as the refinery is going to run run efficiently, and they'll be valued for that, it's better than the refinery lying down. However, I mean, it's a deal of such nature, of that mammoth nature in, in terms of quantum and in terms of the state that are involved, and we don't hear anything, you know, from the context of the government, the stakeholders that are involved. That is worrying, and that brings a lot of uncertainties and transparency issues. So, yes, 
like I mentioned, you write there. If it's a team of such nature, then we don't have communication coming out. Whoever is in charge of the deal, who are, who are the people behind camp, you know, to champion this deal. Of course, there's a possibility that people feed in. There going to be a lot of, uh, you know, conspiracy theories that, that will feed in. And so if there's nothing to hide, I think it's beautiful. Let them come out and tell all stakeholders that who are the people behind the deal. This is what they have to offer. These are the timelines. Other than that, anything short of this, especially after the time this leak came out with social media, and we haven't had anybody coming out to either confirm it or deny it. And that's so worrying. Uh, that if, if nothing is done, if there's nothing like that happening, I think the government can come out and say this deal, what is, what is on social media, it is, it, we should discard it. And if there's something that is actually concrete and cogent, I think the policymaker will have to also accordingly come out and let us know that this is what the nation stands to benefit. In this deal. Other than that, um, I'm, I'm, I think it, it's, going to not, it's not going to bother well, and once transparency is eluded in this situation, uh, it, will, it, it, it will not be good for the entire you know, efficiency of the deal. Yusuf, why is it so difficult to revamp TOR? Why are we struggling? Very good question, Daniel. Um, I think we, um, like I just mentioned, if you notice uh, uh, what has happened previously over the years, um, I would say that issues of TOR emanate from two major conduits. And I always mention that we have the external bottlenecks and then the internal bottlenecks. Of course, we do have inherent inefficiencies that are in TOR, you know, that we need to be bottlenecked, that we need to remove. Then, but I think that is a, a, a minor of the issue that TOR is facing. The major issue that TOR is facing is the external interferences. Solicited internal external interferences by political actors of the day. I think that has been the bane of talk. If you notice over the last few years, a, a company, a critical asset like a refiner that is not running, and we managed to change over five managing directors. That is not acceptable. How do you take people accountable for that? So, yes, there's a leadership problem, and we need a solid leadership in the refinery. And I think as long as the refinery is still with the government, the government has to take the bull by the horn, take all the liabilities or whatever is, is whatever is coming out from the talk with respect to all this inertia. The government has to take everything. You know, I, I, I mean, take responsibility, responsibility for everything. So yeah, these are the two issues. The issues are the interference, unnecessary interference, and then the inherent inefficiencies. But at least if the government is, you know, fair and able to manage and get a very strong, robust, and business-minded managing director and give the person free space to operate, I think the internal issues will be solved because by then the person would have been taken accountable for whatever is, is, is going on, which is correct or is not correct. But this many time, we keep changing managing directors. There's still not very clarity in the, on the, with, with respect to the way forward, and that's worrying. And refinery is a need-based entity. A refinery is a social, I mean, it's a national security asset of every nation. If you understand how refinery works and the critical nature of refining your energy security, then you don't deal with it. Unfortunately, we haven't appreciated that, and that's why we have, we've been toying, you know, playing around with the refinery for the past decade, and we haven't seen the refinery ban. And we have ourselves to play. If you get this critical description done yeah. forever, we are, not, we are not hoping for that. But we, we, what we are doing, if I look very carefully and we don't do well and we have the profound planet, we have ourselves to blame. And Porcento will not judge us by uh, I'm just reading this article published today on one of the news portals where the Institute of Energy Security says that uh, 
politicians are inexperienced to manage tour, uh, some stakeholders also pushing against a public-private partnership. But what would be the implications if this move to seek a private investor for tour does not work, does not work out well and we don't get the best of deals? Yeah, so if, if, uh, I always say that tour as it stands now, we, we play in our mind that tour is not profitable and yet we will not leave it alone to manage. If tour is left alone to manage independently, uh, that will make profits. If tour is allowed, if private sector, if they open the space, the government opens space for free private sector participation, we get more than willing private sector to participate. So it is not the fact that private sector is not interested. I think we need private sector to participate in the run of the tour for the efficient bit of it, you know. So uh, going solo, let's say, living it with the government, I don't support that. I just believe that we need private sector participation for one bit of it, for the efficiency bit of it, and for the capital injection, because we need capital injection. The refinery has outlived a lot of, uh, you, know, a, 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 you know, useful periods. Right now, most refineries are undergoing upgrade. Tour hasn't gotten any upgrade in recent times. And that is how come we need a private sector with the financial work without to be able to inject some capital into it, as, uh, 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 you know, as well as bring in a kind of efficiency in terms of managing. So yes, I believe if we, the government of the day, create enabling environment, private sector will always come to manage. But I, what, what I strongly believe is that that enabling environment is not created, you know, because of some interest that you know we have within the refinery in terms of getting the refinery, I mean, having the refinery in this current situation that it is. But it's not in the, in the interest of the entire nation. We have to get the refinery back to business, and I think if we get the refinery back to business, there's a whole lot of issues and a whole lot of problems that it can solve, including stability of our city. I agree with you. Uh, Dr. Isi Suleimana, energy strategist, I appreciate you could make time to uh, speak to us on the marketplace. We'll keep watching, hopefully there would be some response on uh, this report-making rounds. Now, let's turn to other stories. The Pan-African Payments and Settlement System has signed an agreement with Stambik Bank Ghana to support export trade. This was part of moves by the bank and the African Bank to increase intra-Africa trade and minimize the cost of doing business amongst African countries. The partnership will ensure that payment of goods and services are done seamlessly among member nations without any exchange rate costs. Head of Corporate and Investment Banking at Stambik Bank Ghana, Tim Mogudi, explains the importance of the move. The Pan-African Payment and Settlement System is a system which enables uh, payments to go seamlessly from one African country in local currency to another African currency in their local currency. So we believe that this will facilitate trade at the continent, and that's why we're here. What was the importance of it, and how does it benefit the bank and your customers? Look, it is critical that, um, you know, traditionally when payments are being made, the switching goes to dollars and then back to local currency again. So with this system, what it will facilitate is the critical payments that go directly from one country to another so that Africans, African countries can trade amongst themselves without the need to go through the dollar leg at all. So this will facilitate more intracontinental trade amongst the African countries. I know some other banks are also uh, doing this. Uh, what makes yours exceptional uh, and what will attract, should attract customers to come to your side and not the other banks? So Standard Bank, uh, we are part of the Standard Bank of South Africa group. We are present across the continent in 20 countries. And so we have the ability to deal and, and service all our clients in all of these countries. 
through this Pan-African payment system. So we believe that you know, as soon as our clients come to us, uh, they will see the benefits of our presence across the continent in different countries. Meantime, the African Continental Free Trade Area Secretariat and the United Bank of Africa, UBA, have signed an agreement to support small and medium enterprises in Africa with $6 billion to scale up and grow into multinational companies. According to the Secretary General of AFTA, Omkele Meni, the SMEs will be provided with access to global markets and capital to enable them grow. The agreement signed by the African Continental Free Trade Area Secretariat and the United Bank of Africa is aimed at giving the private sector the opportunity to strongly participate and benefit from the after. Agro-processing, automotive, pharmaceuticals, transport and logistics are the key sectors the agreement is focusing on. Speaking at the signing ceremony, Secretary General of the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, Wamkele Meni, said the agreement would help SMEs to contribute to socio-economic development. As you know, both by capitalization and uh, uh, presence uh, in Africa, UBA is one of the largest banks uh, in, uh, in Africa and also has a presence um, in other parts of, um, of the world. That means that the, the SMEs that are supported by UBA will have access to, uh, to global markets, to global capital markets, to the latest technology, as well as to um, the capital that, uh, of course, that they will require in order to trade and in order, in order to, uh, to do business uh, within the framework of the AFCFTA. We have identified um, four priority sectors, which are uh, priority sectors that, under the African Union, uh, are sectors of Africa's economy that we estimate will be uh, the, the drivers of Africa's economy uh, for the next 10, 15 to 20 years. All right, uh, that's our program this afternoon. Thanks for watching, everyone. There is more news on our website, myjoanline.com forward slash uh, business. If Ekufado cannot govern with 40 ministers, he should resign. Uh, that's according to Professor Bopping. Also, government to expand leap to 2.5 million uh, extremely poor Ghanaians by 2024. Myjoanline.com forward slash uh, business is where to go. My name is Daryl Kwao. Thanks for watching. We will be back same time tomorrow.